Hi and welcome to the fourth episode of Big Idea, a comedy by yours truly, Nigel Holloway. At the end of the previous episode, the members of the Off The Wall Theatre Company were stunned by the news that the theatre where they were due to perform Jonathan's version of Hamlet had burned to the ground. Surely this must be the end of Jonathan's big idea. Or are there more disasters waiting for them? Well, any news of Jonathan? Apparently he stopped crying, which is a good thing. But? They can't get him out of his wardrobe. Oh. And he started making ding-a-ling and woo noises. Oh. Interspersed with whoosh, whoosh. Uh. The ambulance crew got quite worried when they heard him talking to himself. What was he saying? Oh, something about... To die, to sleep, to sleep, a chance to dream, I there's the rub. Right, he's flipped then. You could put it like that. I'd certainly put it like that. Now what do we do? I haven't got a clue. Nothing we can do, is there? The theatre's a smouldering ruin by all accounts. The playwright's a gibbering idiot. Well, nothing new in that, Robert. The BBC man will be packing his bags for London... We ought to be in a pub. I was so looking forward to seeing your laertes, Robert. You were the only one, though, Jack. From the reaction I got on the auditions, I think Jonathan would have preferred a tame chimpanzee. You should take no notice. He's not known for his people skills. Animal taming skills instead, maybe? You might not be so far wrong there, Robert. Turns out Jonathan was studying to be a vet at university. How did you find that out? I'm not just PC plod on the beat, my love. Mm -hmm. I'm aiming for the CID. Always knew you were into rubber truncheons. Do you leave my private life out of this? Oh, that explains everything. A vet. No wonder he's so crap at directing people. He's more used to chimpanzees. They're obviously more his level. You shouldn't joke about his mental capacity at a time like this, Aggie. Mm. Who knows what damage this final disaster will have had on him. I suspect he'll be in hospital for weeks recovering from this, assuming they can get him out of the wardrobe, of course. (laughs) Well, call me hard-hearted, but I'm not surprised he's fallen to bits at the first real obstacle. Never been a team player. Not to my knowledge, anyway. Not a real team player. He could have done with a real taste of comradeship. He should have played rugby. There's nothing like the sight of half a dozen man-mountains with one brain cell between them, hurtling down at you to make you value your teammates. I think that's how he sees us, actually, Robert. What? As teammates? No, the other thing you said. Ah. (laughs) Robert's right, though. And there's nothing we can do to help. At least, uh, not at the moment. We ought to head for the pub and get some alcoholic inspiration about our next show. And I was going to be the tragic heroine. You still are a tragic heroine. Am I? Yeah, but not in Hamlet. Or at least, not in Jonathan's version of it. Well, whose version then? What do you mean, whose version? Well, there's no reason why we can't still do Hamlet, is there? Well, no. But we can't do it on the telly, that's for sure. 
You know how far ahead you have to book theatres. And the BBC won't hang around waiting for us. They've got their production schedule to keep to. Oh, I see. Uh, but there's no reason we couldn't do Hamlet, uh, the original version. A lot of work, though. But if you all thought you wanted to have a go, there's, there's no reason why we shouldn't find another venue and, and do it ourselves. It would give us more time, too. It's a thought, Sharon. Uh, it's certainly a thought. I certainly fancied playing ladies, Jack. Bit of fancy sword fighting sounded fun to me. Yeah, Jack, we ought to think about it. I wonder where Alistair is. I think he liked me. I'm damn sure he liked you. No offence, darling, but he did rather have some strange ideas about casting. Mm, perhaps that's television for you. They look for different attributes from the stage. And Sharon appears to have just the attributes he wanted. <laughs> I'm not sorry to have seen the last of him. There was something not quite right there. Alistair, we didn't expect to see you. Uh, pop round to say goodbye. Goodbye? No. Why? You have heard. Uh, the theatre? Oh, yes, yes. Jonathan? Hmm, shame that. But I'm sure he'll get over it. You sound less concerned about these uh, <coughs> mishaps than I would have expected. Uh, do I? But why would I be concerned? The theatre, where we're going to perform Jonathan's play, has burned down. Jonathan, who is going to direct the play, has obviously had a nervous breakdown. Call me simple if you like, but one or other of these slight mishaps was probably good enough to throw our production schedule out of the window. Both of them together would seem to really knock it into a cocked hat as far as I can see. Ah, yes, I understand. I can see where you're coming from, but you're forgetting one important fact. The whole point of the Big Idea series is to see what happens when someone, or in this case, a whole set of someones, tries to fulfil his, or in this case, their dream. There are bound to be setbacks. If there weren't, everyone in the world would be wandering around, fulfilling all their wildest dreams. But life's not like that. It's bound to conspire against you. There are bound to be disasters, apparently insurmountable problems to overcome. To be honest, we didn't think of calling the series Murphy's Law, but some unbelievably PC person at head office said there would be negative connotations for the Irish. So as far as I'm concerned, nothing really has changed. But we haven't got a theatre. No. But do we have to do it in a theatre? Well, where else can we do it? In the open air, perhaps. We could hire a big tent. Well, as we're all in la-la land now, why don't we make a movie of it? All we need is a film studio, some cameras, lights, sets, makeup, sound equipment, technicians... And a script. Good idea, Barney. What? You're insane. No, not the feature film idea. It's a bit expensive. But the rest of it. Rest of what? But if I could get a sound studio, we could adapt the play for radio. Yes, yes, I could see that happening. Hang on, are you saying we can still do this play? Hmm? Oh, yes. We, we've got to do the play. As a radio play? Seems like a good idea to me. I'm sure there are some favours I can call in with the local BBC radio people. Now, what would we need? A revised script? Some studio time? An engineer? We've never done any radio work. That's the point of the series, Jack. How can you do new things if you don't do new things? 
Pardon? Somebody once said the world was never changed by a reasonable man. What are you talking about? What it means, my love, is that you can never take no for an answer. No matter what the obstacles appear, you've just got to knock them out of the way. So, are we up for it? Well, uh, yes, I, I suppose. I think we should carry on. Me too. Everyone? Good, good. I'll get to work on the studio. All you have to do is to produce a radio script. Oh, and, and don't forget the sound effects and the incidental music. See you. Oh, my God. As you say, Jack. What have we let ourselves in for? I don't know, but it's fun. You think this is fun? Damn right it is. Don't forget, I haven't got a part. But there is some very good news. What good news? You've all missed the point, haven't you? This is going to be a radio broadcast. So you don't need to learn your lines. You can use a script. Brilliant! I hadn't thought of that. This is going to be a doodle. Yeah, right. Uh, Just one thing. Who's going to rewrite the play for radio? I, I, I don't think Jonathan is going to be quite up for it, do you? Good point, Jack. Look, there's only one person who could do it. Who? You, Sunshine. I think I'm safe in saying that you're the only person here who understands what's going on in the damn play. So I guess it's down to you to get us out of the proverbial. What? Me? But I couldn't. Oh, of course you could. Just get out your A-level notes and Bob's your uncle. Thank you, Robert. But, but and me. Is that a good idea? Mm, I hear what you're saying. Jack, I'm really worried about all this. Which particular part of all this are you worried about? I don't think I know how to play all the parts they want me to play. What are they? Lords, ladies, officers, soldiers, sailors, messengers, attendants, oat boys, and two clowns. I don't even know what an oat boy is. And which in particular are you concerned about? Jack, don't be ridiculous. I can't play all those. Why not? It's radio. No one can see you. All you have to do is use different voices for each of them. But I don't do voices. Oh, yes, you do. I've heard you. What do you mean? When you start nagging, you use one voice. Then when you get annoyed, you use another. Uh, And then... Jack, you're impossible! Ah, that'll be them now. Who? Our illustrious authors. You didn't tell me anyone was coming round. I let them in. This is ridiculous. How am I supposed to play all these people? Oat boy. Or was it rent boy? (laughs) (laughs) And she's really quite worried about the number of you've given her. Oh, it's not a problem, Anne. We'll share them out among the rest of the cast. It's not that I don't want to play a part, but there were just so many of them. We could cut a few, I suppose. You've already cut the whole of the Danish court. Only the boring hangers-on. We still need a court. Can you do rhubarb rhubarb noises, Anne? Well, I, I suppose I could. Right. That's cut another 12 characters. and built up your part in the process, Chris. Part? What part? I thought you weren't playing anything. I wasn't, but things have changed. Yeah, because it's now a radio play, they've decided there has to be a narrator. A narrator? Yep. It's a jolly good way of describing the scenes when you can't see the setting. And a jolly good way of getting through a tedious bit. And of getting rid of most of the minor characters. 
Then you really can get rid of my parts. Most of them, I expect, but... But? Well, there is something else that needs doing. Does it involve doing different voices? No, but it's really quite important to the play. Well, what is it? We need somebody to do the sound effects. There are quite a lot of sound effects. How can I do that? Well, that's what we need to discuss. I hadn't thought about sound effects. Well, they're really important on radio. They give the cues that let you know where you are and so on, as well as all the more obvious ones like, you know, guns going off, telephones ringing, so on. Uh, Not many telephones ringing in Hamlet, are there? Might be, Jack. We haven't decided what period to set it in. Ah, I hadn't thought of that. Anyway, Anne, in exchange for cutting most, if not all, of your parts, can you help with the sound effects? Well, I suppose so. But you'll have to tell me what to do, and when. Don't worry, you'll have your very own script. You and the other sound effects person. There are two? Oh yes, Jack. There are really a lot of sound effects. Believe me. So, who's doing the other half? Well, it looks like the only other person who doesn't have a part is Aggie. So we've delegated her to do it. Have you asked her? Not yet. But she's game for anything. She certainly is. I'm sure she'll be delighted. It's not her that's the problem. It's it's Doris. Well, why, Jack? I'm not at all sure that she's up to playing Queen Gertrude. It's worse than that, Jack. If she's playing the Queen, who's going to do the music? Music is just as important as the sound effects. Ah, I see. Couldn't you pre-record all the music? Well, we could, but it still needs playing at the right time. Oh, I see. Perhaps we could persuade Doris to let Aggie play the Queen, which would free her up to do the music. That leaves us one short on the sound effects. Couldn't Anne do all the sound effects on her own? Just like I was playing all the minor characters, you mean? Uh, This is where we came in. Well done, everyone. That was a terrific rehearsal. I think we're onto a winner here. Yes, well done, everyone. It's so much easier with the script in your hand. Now, Aggie, your turn will come when we get all the things together for the sound effects. Yes, darling, I'm sure you'll be wonderful in your supporting role, even if you don't get to speak on the recording. Doing sound effects is on a par with arranging props or sweeping the stage, isn't it? Personally, I'm rather surprised that Alastair doesn't say something about your interpretation of the Queen. And why is that, dear? I consider it to be seminal. Oh, it's seminal, all right. Whoever would have thought of Hamlet's mother, Queen Gertrude of Denmark, with a French accent? Ah, that's where you haven't quite grasped the point, dear. She's Belgian, you see. (laughs) The narrator told me. Yeah, but not the author. Shakespeare's dead, dear, didn't you know? Somebody hold me back. Uh, Doris, uh, have you had any ideas about how we can manage the incidental music? Oh, I'm sorry, Jack, I'm afraid I haven't. I've been spending all my time on my interpretation of Queen Gertrude, the part that Aggie didn't get. I couldn't possibly get round to thinking about the music as well. (laughs) Right, uh, Of course. I'm going to kill her, Jack. Calm down, Aggie. It's gone to her head, that's (laughs) why. 
When it's all over, she'll calm down and everything will be back to normal. I damn well hope so. She's insufferable. You'd swear she was actually a queen. And how is Jonathan? Have you heard? Not a word. Still in hospital, I expect. Probably better off there. We wouldn't want him to find out his play had been butchered into its present form. I don't think it's been butchered, Jack. I think it's a distinct improvement. Just as long as he doesn't find out until it's all over. Uh, Jack, just a word. I went to see Jonathan at the hospital. Oh, we were just asking if anyone knew how he was. When I got there, he was a lot calmer. He stopped insisting that he was Fireman Sam. Still talking to his imaginary friends, though. Ah, yes. <laughs> Trevor Nan, Peter Hall. No, he's got a new one now. Someone called Bertolt Brecht. I'd never heard of him. Uh, no, of course. <laughs> anyway, Jack, he did seem to recognise me, so I told him all the news. The news? Yes, he got very excited when I told him that Robert and Christine were rewriting his play. And even more so when I told him that Richard was helping too. I didn't quite understand what he was screaming, but the orderlies thought that it was best if I left him before they sedated him again. Right. Mm, I'm glad he was pleased. Have you made any progress with the studio? Oh, yes. I managed to get one. But there's another slight problem. Another one? I'm afraid we can only have it for two hours. Two hours? Are you all right, Jack? We'll only have time to record it once, straight through. We won't have the chance to go back and re-record anything. That didn't quite work. But the play's already longer than two hours. It is at the moment. I'll tell Robert and Christine to cut it a bit. But but what about the sound effects? They'll have to do them live as the drama unfolds. What? Just like they used to do in the old days of live radio. What a challenge! Challenge? And the music! Isn't this great? Great, everyone. That was the fourth episode of Big Idea, a comedy in six parts, written by yours truly, Nigel Holloway, and performed by the Concept Players Theatre Company. Big Idea is the second in the series of off-the-wall plays. For more information about them, visit the website at wwwoff the wall plays.co.uk. If you want more information about the Concept Players, visit their website at www.concept-players.com. And if you want to tell us what you thought of the play, you can contact me at nigel.holloway at xmas-carol.co.uk. I look forward to hearing from you.